Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome in. It is a brand new week right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. I am Chris Welsh. That over there, that is Scott White. And we are here for you as we move through further into the fantasy playoffs. Maybe you made it through. Maybe you are a crazy person and you're just starting it up. I don't know how you guys fully all roll here. But, Mr. Scott White, how was your weekend, and are you advancing in your playoffs? I think so. I think I'm advancing. Um, well, there are two-week scoring periods in my head-to-head points league, oh, so those aren't done yet. You're one of those, huh? One of those. Yeah, I just kind of kinda like to, you know, little hedging. Reduce, reduce the element of luck there. I think See, everybody... I'm a big fan of the element of luck as is baseball, and that's what I love about it. For uh, And a perfect well, example of that would be, though, is this week in probably my two most important leagues, I was first place in one, and I just barely took down the eighth place. I'm going to move on, and I need to win this league because I have an incredible roster. The other league, I squeaked in an eighth place, and I just took down first place. Now, if you would have given me a whole nother week, things might have possibly changed, but you know, the luck gods were on my side. Maybe you could say I played the right superstitious cards correctly and I was able to move forward. So I think it worked in my favor. I'm very happy about this. Uh, you say so does baseball. And, and yes, that's a part of it. I mean, there can be upsets in a two-day scoring period too. It just, yeah. you know, it just weeds out the, the total flukes. No, you're right. I was picking uh, well, you at know, you a little there's bit. There's no seven-game series during the regular season. No, you're right. And I was picking at you a little bit with the the two-week thing. That's more of a roto comment. What I did was more at the roto people with the, you know... The roto people. Yeah, you know, like... Your roto people are all the same. Yeah, you know, there's a little thing with the roto people. But, all right, so you, we're going to be moving on. We're, we're both going to be in a positive state this week as we talk, because we'll be vying for potential championships is what I'm getting at. I am vying for a championship, I believe, in four of my ten traditional fantasy leagues. I also have a score sheet league, so I guess... A, and then there's a... And then I guess there's a uh, and then, Diamond Mind League, a Sim League. Boy. So that's 12. So I guess five of the 12, I'm still vying for a championship. Okay. So that's pretty solid. So we'll, uh, we'll have firsthand knowledge here as we are uh, going at that. The only thing you could hope, as all of you, if you were able to get in early, you were able to maybe still make the move. Maybe one of the most important things, at least it went down on Sunday, it is coming down this week as we jump right into everything for you to win your leagues this week. Jesus is coming. Jesus Lazardo is officially being called up on Monday. His last start was in a PCL playoff game where he went five and two thirds innings, seven hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, got up to 91 pitches on the minor league season, 43 innings with 53 strikeouts and a two and a half ERA. Mr. Jesus Lazardo is coming up to the A's today as you're listening to this on Monday. Where are we at, Scott? Where's our trust level with Jesus Lazardo? So if I'll, I'll go ahead and sum it up at the beginning, and then I'll give you the long spiel. So sum it up from the beginning. I think if there's any pitcher you'd be adding this late in the year that isn't a two-start streamer, it should be Luzardo, if only to keep him from falling into the wrong hands. Now, the reason it's kind of a muted enthusiasm there is because they have a six-man rotation already, we don't know what role he's going to, to fill. The fact they were keeping him at AAA 
until that team's playoff that team was eliminated from the triple a playoffs tells me that they're not that invested in Luzardo helping the major league club this year uh, because who cares about what happens in the triple a playoffs when your major league club is trying to get a wild card spot right uh, so i'm i'm not confident other than maybe, you know, if, if they get in really good standing and it's pretty obvious they're going to make the playoffs, maybe they give them a spot start down the stretch. But I feel like it's more going to be a multi-inning reliever kind of like you know, get your feet wet situation. Like an AJ Puck yeah, like or where that. Dustin May is at right now. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, but I, I think he's better than Puck. I think he's I, I think he's I, I don't think there's a minor league pitcher who c- could get called up. who would excite me more than Luzardo if. He was starting. Now, um, it, it seemed like uh, Susan Slusser and uh, Martin Martin Gallegos, I think his name is. That's the MLB.com writer. And Susan Slusser, I think, is with the San Francisco Chronicle. I better get it right because I think she's mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mentioned that she seemed to suggest in her article that uh, they were going to use him out of the bullpen. And she corrected me on Twitter that that's not what she said. So, And I see Martin also, they kind of indicate that there isn't a clear idea if he's going to go into the rotation or not. Yeah. My, my assumption is that he we're going to at least see, I want to say two starts out of Lazardo, but I mean, I might be off base and you, know, you kind of set the stage and they've kind of also set the stage for what they've been doing with a guy like AJ Puck. I just felt like the trajectory of what they were doing with Lazardo was different than Puck that they want him in, a, in not just a multi-inning role, but like a five to six inning type of a role. And he's not, as we talked about last week, he's not up against a cap uh, as far as innings go. So you can you can make him go. He went 91 innings or 91 pitches in the PCL start, which was just under six innings. So they kind of have free reign with him. They don't need to yeah. they don't need to baby him. And I saw a lot of A's fans suggesting that maybe he'll take Brett Anderson's turn Wednesday because Anderson was bad in his last start. Anderson's been pretty stable all season. I don't know. I don't know. It's all a guessing game. So it's 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 more of a defensive play. I think it's a worthwhile one if you have the spot to work with. And you got to make the play uh, today. Like if the play hasn't already yeah. been made for you, to your point, without the knowledge, you have to make the play right now on Monday because more likely than not, he's not going to be sitting out there. And I should clarify that, you know, I don't need people going after her with tweets. Like Susan Slusser doesn't know me from Adam. I don't think she's seriously mad at me. I was just kidding about that. But yeah, she's with the San Francisco Chronicle. We got a tweet. uh, All right. I think I got a tweet from uh, someone named Sean. And it was in regards to Jesus Lazardo because I was, you know, tweeting a lot on Sunday with football and baseball going on. And I was very excited to see when Lazardo was called up. And Sean had an interesting tweet. And I wanted to bring it here. He said, would you start Lizardo? Would you would you pick him up? And I'm assuming this is weekly. He didn't um he didn't actually say, but I'm assuming by the question. He said, Would you take Lizardo over a two-start Logan Webb, 12 teams, six by six categories, uh, first week of the playoffs? Because you you made the preference of like any single pitcher you want Lizardo, but we didn't go deep into the two starts. So a guy like right. Logan Webb versus Lizardo. I made the exception for two start sleepers, but here's the funny thing. Logan Webb isn't a two-star pitcher anymore. You know who's the two-star pitcher for the Giants now? Tyler Beatty? Johnny Q. Johnny, or Johnny Cueto. <laughs> we were talking, uh, before we started up, we were talking about just the sheet, and uh, Scott was like, yeah, good old Johnny Q. And then you're like, I don't actually know why I called him that. But we 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 arcaned it back to like an old good time where we're like, oh, yeah, good old Johnny Q in the 1950s. 
Yeah. Johnny Cueto, though, he's back from Tommy John surgery and scheduled to go Tuesday. Remember, he was scheduled to go, I think it was over the weekend, but he had a back issue that pushed it back. He was always the- back again. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know that Logan Webb's making a single start this week. Now, I, I, it's possible Cueto's just replacing him in the rotation. Uh, and, and look, it's obviously a huge risk to start Cueto coming back from Tommy John surgery. His last rehab start. In the PCL, where nobody pitches well, was great. Six shutout innings. Obviously, he has a track record. And I was excited about Webb on Friday, mostly because of the matchups uh, going against. Yeah, even though he got rocked in his last one. So, I, you know, I, I, it may it may be a case where Cueto just replaces Webb as the preferred two-star sleeper this week. It's, oh, so it's, then, okay, so yeah. let me ask you then, because the most viewed players that we were checking in on the show here on, on CBS was your boy Johnny Q, Johnny Cueto with a C, uh, who's got that start Tuesday against Pittsburgh. We're 13 months removed from Tommy John. His last outing, if you want to get an idea of like maybe where he's at, he went about 75 pitches. So he'd have to be pretty efficient to go five, I would assume, to, like, to qualify for a win if he's a 75, maybe 80, uh, 80 pitch guy. Ideally, it's a great matchup if he were to go five plus where he would have Pittsburgh and Miami on the back end. So, Johnny Cueto, your boy Johnny Q, or Jesus Lazardo with a one start, where would you go? Oh, I mean, if it, it just depends if I needed an extra pitcher for my lineup or Lazardo. I think, I think most people listening, I should hope, I should hope, because we talk about two start sleepers a lot. We talk about short term pickups a lot, but kind of my my philosophical standpoint of this is, you should not need to turn to those very often. That should be if things have gone wrong and your actual A lineup is, you know, kind of kind of crumbling and you need you need to repair it somehow. That's that's what these recommendations are for. So, you know, most people I I should hope have good enough pitchers that they don't have to rely on Johnny Cueto coming back from Tommy John surgery. I mean, the fact he's my preferred two-start sleeper says something about the quality of pitching on waiver wire right now. Yeah, the state and, of you know, furthering the risk, I mentioned I'm not sure if Logan Webb is making a single start this week. Well, if he is, then Johnny Cueto becomes just a one-star pitcher. Even worse. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Who else are you adding? Let's uh, let's get right into that. We're going to talk about lots of hitters, lots of pitchers to add, everything that went out over the weekend. Let's start with pitchers since we're on that subject with guys like Lazardo and Johnny Cueto. Who else are we adding as we are stepping out from the last episode where we in a lot of two starts here? So Scott White's preferred ads for this week. Pitching. So pitching-wise, we talked about I mean, Cueto was number one, I guess. Um I'm getting a little more I'm feeling a little better about Alex Young these days. He had the My most guy. impressive start I think he's had so far. Not that there have been many bad ones, but uh, on Saturday he went 8 innings, 2 hits, 12 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes. Both of those obviously great numbers. And the 20 swinging strikes were divided pretty evenly before between four pitches, five on the cutter, seven on the changeup, eight on the curveball, 11 on the fastball. Um, what's interesting is for the season, he has a swinging strike right now just behind Clayton Kershaw, and yet only 7.8K per nine. That Those two numbers don't seem to jibe. Uh, he has, there, there was also a note about how he's working on keeping his shoulder closed to get better deception. Uh, that's a recent thing he's been working on, and obviously he follows it up with a start like this. 
So, I mean, I've I've been pretty dismissive of him because the minor league numbers were bad, 25-year-old rookie. Uh, but we're talking about 13 appearances now, and um, it seems like the results are getting better rather than worse. So I don't know. I mean, his next matchup, it's only a one-start week, obviously. It's against the Mets. It's, you know, kind of a middle-of-the-road matchup. Um, but I... There aren't great options on the waiver wire, and I think he's looking like one of the better ones. What if I uh, I pitted against? I've got some fringy starters here, guys that are all around the same ish percent owned, and Alex Young is one of those. You jumped right to it, where he went eight, struck out twelve, uh, five or less strikeouts in his previous five starts, which is maybe a little bit concerning. But what if we paired him up against Dylan Cease, who went uh, five, or I'm sorry, three and one third, one earned run, five walks, and four strikeouts? He's given up thirteen uh, thirteen earned runs now in his last couple starts my guy Sandy Alcantara 46% owned complete game nine innings eight strikeouts no earned runs this was on Sunday five of last six have gone seven or more plus he's had seven or more strikeouts in his last four I believe he has San Francisco coming up next and how about I'll throw out two other guys Tony Gonsolin, who's 36% owned, he's only gotten to the sixth inning once since um, July 30th, and his next start is uh, six days from now. I believe it's against the Mets here. And uh, Adam Plutko, 41% owned. The Angels are up next. Six innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts in his last start. So Alcantara, Cease, Young, Gonsolin, and Plutko. How would you sort that out? Who's your top two? I think Young would be my number one. Actually, because Gonsolin, I want to like him, but he seems to have the innings issue where the Dodgers just don't. I don't think they I I think I saw a stat where they haven't had a starting pitcher go six innings since Hmm. mid-August. And so obviously he's a part of that. Um, So I'll go cease number one Gonsolin. I'm sorry. Young number one Gonsolin number two. And I think I would go Alcantara three. I might go Alcantara one if you pitched for just about anyone else. Let's, I, oh, come on. I'm like, let's go. I'm like, relent, relent. Give me Alcantara. This there. Um, yeah, he's getting better. He's getting better. This is uh, this complete game with eight strikeouts. That's now seven plus strikeouts in four straight. Yep. I mean, that's his biggest issue right there. Is, and he's um, gone. He's gone seven in five of his last six. Yeah. Well, I, he's been efficient. And past 12 starts a 277 ERA. Now he has only one win, and that was today mm-hmm. during that stretch. And that's the problem with details for the Marlins. And yeah. unless you play in a league that doesn't award win, you know, that doesn't wins don't matter. Which a lot do now. Wins matter very much. Pretty much every league I've ever played in. I'd go Young, Gonsolin, Alcantara. Uh, Alcantara. Uh, and obviously, I should preface that Dylan Cease is still the highest upside of this group and if it was like a dynasty scenario he'd still be number one for me Uh, I just don't have any faith in him rest of this season well number one as far as ownership not like throwing out there right of course just making sure Um, let's talk about a few hitters here Hitters to add. I've got a couple names for you, and then I'll get a few of yours, and we're going to take a quick break here. 
Here were a few hitters that had an interesting weekend. How about Will Myers, who's 51% owned right now? He was three for five on Sunday. It was his second straight three-hit game, and he's on a seven-game hit streak. Will Myers just, you know, thrown out to the dogs. We've forgotten about him. Our guy, Kyle Tucker, who's 54% owned, he went two for five with three RBIs, two doubles on Sunday, four-game hit streak. Essentially, while Springer was out, Springer returned on Sunday. Luckily, Tucker still got the start. He was in left, then moved to first. Just a couple notes there for Tucker. Uh, As Dribble Cabrera, great game on Sunday, four for five with three RBIs. He's got a five-game hit streak and two homers and five RBIs in his last five games. And then Anthony Santander, 51% on a 12-game hit streak. That was cut on Sunday, but he hit his 18th homer on Friday. So Myers, Tucker, Cabrera, Santander, who are the two um, or like really who sits at the top as far as ad that you have to have? Uh, Tucker and Santander are the only two I'm that invested in unless there's a real need there. Will Myers, I believe now he's started three straight, but the playing time was very sporadic before then. Yeah, I'm not I'm not confident in just because he started three in a row. Um, you don't Tucker, think the multi, yeah, I'm sorry. You don't think like the multi multi hit games and the seven game hit streak that Will Myers has got is going to buy him some extra time on this run this week. Well, either the seven games were spaced out or it was a lot of coming off the bench because, uh, he had sat out three games in a row prior to the three he started. He, he hadn't started three games in a row prior to the three he started. So, I mean, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just like I said, I, I just pulled up. Those are the last uh, seven games that he had played in. He's got hits yeah. in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair point. It's just as of recent, the multi hits are kind of piling up. Is he a guy that can buy himself more time? You're obviously you're not on the buy category, which I think, I think is can. fine. I, I don't want to assume that going into the week. But you uh, still like Tucker. They're... You like Tucker and Santander over. It's just Will Myers with the speed possibility on a week. On, I mean, you can play the you can play the the stuff here with with head to head and like daily transactions. But weekly guys, there's a pretty big clear cut advantage you could have if Will Myers does get those starts and he does pile up any type of stolen bases that you're not going to get from Santander. I guess I'm not really trying to make the case for Will Myers. I can't imagine you know he's the guy I go down the ship with, but he just has been good as of recent. Where I think there's still some question marks with Kyle Tucker. Santander actually might be the most consistent of all of them, though. Yeah, Santander, I, I would have no objection starting him anywhere, even though he's only 51% owned. He's, he, he seems very steady, and there, there isn't a lot bad to say about him. Uh, Tucker, it's mostly, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a Luzardo situation where I don't know exactly what the playing time's going to look like, but um, I feel like everybody who hasn't picked him up yet, the leagues where he isn't owned, everybody's keeping a very close eye on him. And it, I, it was it was certainly interesting that he got to start again, even though Springer was back in the lineup. No guarantees there, obviously. He, you know, the one left-hander they faced even when Springer was out, Tucker sat. So it may be a lefty-righty thing for him, or even less than that. I don't know. But I don't think there are any more assurances for Will Myers playing time. And I think Tucker is the... Uh, if if neither of them are especially usable right now, Tucker's the trendier name, and and I think the more the more dangerous uh, 
pick up right now. Yeah, and I feel comfortable, too, that, you know, Springer is able to come back and they kept Tucker in the lineup. They moved him around. He played well in the time off that Springer had. So those are all really, really good pluses going into this week. You just have to hope that Tucker keeps rocking. Let's uh, hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get Scott's hitters to add this week. We've got a bunch of injuries, news and notes, and believe me, everything else that's going to prep you for the week coming up here. So don't go anywhere. Quick break here on Fantasy Baseball Today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. All right, Scott. Who do you got? Who are you uh, adding? You didn't. You're not excited about Will Myers. You're not excited about his dribble career. You like Santander. You like Kyle Tucker. But who else are we adding for this coming week? There are a couple of hitters who, uh, you know, they're they're kind of platoon roles. Eric Thames has been in platoon platoon role all year. Mike Yastrzemski has kind of recently started sitting against lefties, but both have righty loaded schedules. Both have very favorable matchups. They've both been crushing it in the second half. And I think Yastrzemski and Thames are, are good one-week options. And in a shallower league, uh, Ryan McMahon's worth pointing out. He's at home all week. Those are the times to start him. A 9-11 OPS at home. And he's been very consistent delivering there recently, especially. He's been one of the most predictable streamer-type hitters out there. To the point that he's not, not that widely available anymore. But he might be out there. Brett Gardner. I love the Yankees matchups this week. He's... He's like just below the threshold of, uh, you know, his numbers are so good that he has to be owned, which means, you know, a week like this one with favorable matchups, that's that's the right time to pick him up and use him. Uh, a deep option who I'm who's starting to uh, get my attention is Matt Joyce of the Braves. I think he's only like 8% owned, but he is... You know, with the injuries to Marcakis and uh, and Enciarte, Joyce has been playing against virtually every right-hander the Braves face. He's homer- He homered for a second straight day today. His OBP on the year is over 400. He's uh he's pretty pretty usable, I think, when when they're facing a righty. I like good old uh, OBP Matt Joyce. All right, I got a couple other fringy hitters for here for you. Uh, three. Three that are in the 35 to 45% owned range, and luckily he didn't bring any of them up. Our good old Jason Joe Kipnis, 35%. He went three for four on Sunday. Two for uh, two of his four previous games, he had no hits. Or wait, no. Two for four in his previous game. That's what it was. And no hits in the previous five games. So the last couple, good. He had a bad stretch there. Avisil Garcia, who's a little bit more owned than Kipnis, was three for four, hit his 19th homer on a five-game hitting streak, and he's got all road games next week out of Tampa Bay. And Robinson Cano, who is five for 11 since returning um, with two 
two home runs, 43% owned here. So Kipnis, Garcia, Cano, there can only be one Highlander. Who do you pick? If I have to pick one, I'm going to pick my boy Kipnis. Still the least owned of all of them, not even over Cano? Just because he's the least owned doesn't mean he should be. He also has, I think, the best matchups for the three. Uh, although, uh, obviously, all Garcia's are pretty good, too. It's probably pretty close between him and Kipnis. It, so I guess it depends if you need the infielder or outfielder more. Looking up his home away splits. He's actually been, Garcia's actually been much better at home this year. I don't know if that's just one of those fluky things that happens with splits sometimes. Because obviously Tampa's not known as a favorable place to hit. But that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I would... I'm not saying you can't pick up Kip Cano. I don't think it's a huge gap between him and Kipnis in terms of who I prefer, but Kipnis has been, you know, he's been on a nice productive run for a couple months now versus Cano, who's done it for like a week. I got a couple middle infielders for you then, since you're not into Cano. You're into Kipnis. Maybe one of these two guys might push Kipnis at all here, but these are teammates, and we have spent a lot of time talking about them, but it's fun because... The Rangers can't quit Rugi Odor. Scott White mm -hmm. can quit Odor, but the Rangers cannot. So I want to pitch you up Odor versus Solak because Mr. So Nick Solak has been rocking. Only 20% owned, though. He was 3 for 4 with 4 RBIs uh, in his last game. 6 RBIs in, f in his last 4 and we've got Odor, who's on a three-straight multi-hit game run here. Two for five Sunday with his 24th homer, his second straight home run. And he is about 30% more owned than Solak here. So, Odor versus Solak, who is your choice? And could either of them pass Kipnis? I think Solak could. So, he's my choice. And it's, fortunately, he and Odor aren't competing for playing time with the Rangers. They're they're both playing every day, even though the Rangers suggested Odor wouldn't be. He managed to get hot. Three home runs, three doubles in his past five games. I mean, obviously, Odor's had these fakeouts in the past, over the past couple years. I obviously regret my 2014 Dynasty League dropping mm. him for Austin Adams, especially since I'm seeing he scored 32 points for me, and what is his last week? What was his last week with my team? Uh, now my best hope there is Ty France. So I, that may be the decision that cost me the championship if Odor stays hot. But that's a very, very big if, and I'm certainly not counting on it. I would take any of these middle infield options we've discussed over him. But uh, clearly, clearly he's not. Well, it's not clear, but he, he, he showed us he isn't done. Maybe he's done now, but he wasn't done. He had at least one more week in him. Do you see 51% owned as over ownage on Odor? I mean, because yeah, he's, he's I, really I, difficult to deal with. And I'm sure that's just a remnant from early season stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume if if he started the year at zero, he would be at, you know, 10% now or something like that. Less than Solak. Okay. I mean, I, it's just interesting to go look at those things because people don't want to cut the name, but a guy like Nick Solak, I, I picked him up in actually both of the playoff runs that I'm working with right now. He was just an unowned player and Nick Solak has been fantastic for me. I've got a super, super deep guy. If there's any interest, obviously it's, it's going to be relatively situational, but Ryan McBroom, who's 1% owned, 
is hitting 375 coming into Sunday, or he was hitting 375 coming into Sunday, six for 16 with four RBIs in that previous run. Is McBroom a Seth Brown type pickup? You know, deep leagues, you're just looking for a little bit of run. He's getting at bats right now. Is there any interest whatsoever? Does 1% seem super unowned or new? Brown is a good comparison because they're both 27 and they both weren't that notable for their production in the minors until this year. This is what McBroom was doing at AAA this year, 315 with a 976 OPS. You know, it's PCL. And uh, the numbers there are crazy with the juiced ball. So you got to take his production with a grain of salt. Uh, he is like, much like Brown, it seems, just playing against right-handed pitchers. I, I, that seems like a reasonable parallel, I think. Would you drop Brown for McBroom since uh, he's on a little bit of a run? If I just wanted a hitter and didn't care about what position he played, probably not. If I needed... A corner infielder. Well, I guess Brown's a corner infielder too, right? He's eligible at first base, at least in CBS leagues. All he's played in the majors so far is outfield. I have a preference for Brown. He did have a 30-homer season prior to this one. He has at least gotten a couple starts against the lefty, I think. But it's it's pretty close. I you know, I know people just want to hear the strong opinion, but it, it you know, if you have a stronger one than I do, I, I wouldn't fault you for taking McBroom, McBroom over Brown. We could just make them the same player. He could be McBrown. We McBrown, could, if we yeah, want. That yeah. works. McBrown, they're just the same guy. All right, uh, let's look good over at some injuries, news, and notes. Mike Trout, he was scratched from the lineup, the Angels lineup on Sunday. He had been set to return from a one-game absence. He had a sore toe, but uh, it wasn't good to go. That did not quite helped me in a a league where I had him going and I got the notification he's good to go and then it was like nope he's now back to day to day so that is a little bit unfortunate x-rays on the injured right hand of Bryce Harper came back negative on Friday Harper had admitted that he was unable to grip the bat after he was drilled by Steven Matz it was a fastball and he didn't play over the weekend so there's nothing you can do about any of those guys I fully expect both of them to be back this week and I'm only really talking to weekly lineup guys right now especially Mike Trout I think I think Trout will be back in uh, um, right away. Harper could be a little bit of a concern with the the grip bat stuff. Do you look at something like that? Just really quickly on Harper. Do you look at him, where his performance has been at, an inability to maybe fully grip the bat, and if you had viable options, and let me throw this viable option at you. What if you had a guy like Ramon Lariano, who, by the way, like came off the, the IL, went back, or he got hurt, he was out Saturday, didn't play on Sunday. If you had a Lariano and you felt okay, would you... <laughs> Pop Harper on the bench in a weekly type of lineup for a player of the caliber of Loriano, thinking if he can't grip the bat, maybe there's going to be a power issue when he comes back during the week, or is that just too tinkery and too ridiculous? Well, you opened up a new can of worms with Loriano, who has, like you said, is dealing with his own issue, leg issue. Sounds like just a cramp, so he'll probably be okay. But I, I don't know that I would consider him especially safer. Then Harper, was he back in the lineup today? I guess it's possible he was. Let me double check that. Um, but, okay, just to ask, answer the broad question, I don't see how you could possibly sit Trout. We don't have a clear timetable for him, but he's Mike freaking Trout. Well, I, I meant Harper. Trout is a— I know. Oh, I know. okay, I'm okay, just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, uh, you know, back up what you were saying there. Yeah. And then in terms of Harper, like, I don't feel like Harper— it's been much better in the second half, but I don't feel like for the season he's been 
that much better than the generic starting outfielder in a three outfielder 12 team league, you know? So Loriano, uh, could be somebody like, I don't want to name somebody too high end, but I'm thinking about my own teams in this leagues and, and some of the outfield decisions I had to make. Like there were times I couldn't start Jorge Soler. There were times I couldn't start Tommy Pham or Trey Mancini or like, Mancini's I'm sure an interesting somebody in a five outfielder league is thinking those are obviously must starts, but in a three outfielder league, you, you just might have too many outfielders, and that that makes sitting Harper an easy choice. Yeah, and Mancini's a really interesting one too because that's the type that's the range of the type of guy where you're like, listen, I've got Harper, but if you're having issues gripping the bat, maybe he misses a couple games. How how well is he going to be when he comes back? You worry about power zaps. You might just be better set going with a Trey Mancini and not getting you know taking a big L, yeah. especially when you don't have all of the stuff. Like, I don't know if we're going to walk in by, um, by roster locks that you're going to have a clear definitive idea what's going on with Harper. So, I mean, that would be an obvious case that you just put him on the bench and you cross your fingers that you have a viable option. Yeah. If you have a strong alternative to Harper, cause I don't think Harper is anything more right now than a strong starter in a, in a mixed league standard mixed league. Then I think you play it safe and sit Harper. And Loriano was not in the lineup today, by the way. I think it was yesterday's game he was removed from with that leg issue. Yeah. And uh, Saturday, I, I should say. Yeah, it yeah, it was cool. Saturday. He came back Friday. Saturday, he was out. He didn't play Sunday, so we also have to watch that one. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Cruz, he remained out of the Twins lineup on Sunday. He had sat out two straight after feeling some soreness in his left wrist. That is the same thing that put him on the IL last month. Probably in the similar vein of everything we're talking about, though obviously performance-wise, better than Harper. This is a yep. little bit worrisome if you don't have an answer coming into Monday. Yeah, it is worrisome. That is that is going to be a tough call because uh, Cruz could hit you four home runs, five, <laughs> probably not five, but he could have like a four-homer week if he plays and you'll feel terrible for sitting him. He's been, he's been super impressive this year. The reason we don't talk about him more as a high-end pick next year is because he's in his late 30s and he's DH only. So it's kind of like the the David Ortiz effect where he was consistently pushed to a point lower than his production said it should be, and yet he delivered on it. But for this week, Cruz, I think it it would really depend on who my alternatives were. If it was kind of a waiver wire scrub, I'd probably just stick with Cruz. But if it was somebody who I hated leaving on my bench in his own right, but I just didn't have room for him. Well, this is your opportunity to get him in there and play it safe. And hopefully he's nearly as effective as Cruz would be. There's a couple more of these guys that are going to put some uh, tough decisions here in this week. I mean, even head to head, there's still decisions because I think there's some head to head people out there. You know, if you're in a playoff run, if you were going to miss one of these guys for 60% of their starts during the week, even though they're great, a lot, not maybe not like a cruise, but there might be justifiable redraft reasons to drop them if there's options out there. And a couple of the guys that you might be staring at, it's a guy like Chris Bryant, who Joe Madden said on Sunday that he wasn't in the lineup because his right knee is still, quote, still barking. Uh, he's been uh, had some soreness in the knee, and uh, he admitted that there was still more of it after Saturday's game. So there's a little bit of a question mark surrounding him. And then Max Kepler was removed from Sunday's game against the Indians after uh, aggravating a upper chest injury. And both of those are a problem. And both of those are a problem walking into Monday. So again, this it's kind of like a train of stuff we're talking about where there's tough decisions. And, you know, the guys that have performance-wise that have justified it are Cruz, Kepler, and Trout, where 
Bryant and Harper, probably serviceable options out there, but I don't know, man. I'm a little bit risk averse with all of these guys. Yeah. I And I think it's reasonable to be that way this time of year, especially not only because you're possibly in a win or go home scenario, playoff scenario, but also because the IL is basically dead with rosters expanded. And this is going to change next year because I believe rosters only expand to 28 players in September. So the, the IL will still be alive. But for this last year, there's not much value to putting a player on the 10-day IL. So, you know, normally teams might be quick to do that because it's only 10 days. But now they're just, they're just going to stay day-to-day and they don't have to offer really any more clarity than that. Yeah, I would I would be as reluctant to start Kepler and Bryant as I am Cruz, which isn't to say it's an obvious sit, but you really have to weigh your options there. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch Hanniger looks like he may not be back this season. Kevin Kiermeyer he departed Sunday's game versus Blue Jays with some neck spasms. Addison Russell, he also left the game. He was hit in the head by a pitch. That's always a, a concern. Carlos Correa, he took batting practice on Sunday. He had been hitting in a cage without issue. He said he's feeling great, and he is one step closer to returning, whatever that means. Whatever that means. So he's not a roster anything. Daily uh, people can deal with that. Yankees activated Gio Urshela from the 10-day IL. That's very good. And after going six and striking out 10 on Friday, Michael Pineda was suspended for 60 games because of a... They said there's like a a thing that was found in common blood pressure medication. So... Yeah, masking agent is what I think he was suspended for rather than an actual PED, though... You know, particularly with that report recently from Jeff Passan about the uh, the gas station sexual enhancement pills. You know, I, I think that gives a lot more validity to the, uh, I, I you know, I, I ingested something that I didn't realize was a banned substance argument. Um, which seemed to be why MLB was warning players that they could get a positive test if if they were to take one of those pills. So, you know, it's the reason I'm going into all that is because Pineda finished this year on a heater. His last 11 starts, 276 ERA, 109 whip, 10.1K per nine. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was looking like a must-start option, and suddenly it's all gone. And it's going to be interesting to see how he's valued next year based on that because there aren't many... Obviously, the pitcher pool gets pretty thin before a draft ends. I mean, he probably should be drafted... I don't know in the in the teens, the the teen rounds. I would assume. I you know, and somebody brought up a question last week to me where it was like, "How do you approach suspended pitchers?" This is before Pineda. And they were talking about Frankie Montas, who Frankie mm-hmm. Montas was really solid. And it's, it's 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 an interesting take, but you know, I mean, the teens is definitely the appropriate range. I I mean, I don't know if you've got a guy that's going to be out for forty games, but he was lights out. Let's say you know, well, I mean, I don't know what the number is going to equate to. Probably forty ish games yeah. for next season. What are you going to do with a guy that put up, right, you know, just the, sit him on your bench? And and the fact it's Michael Pineda and like he's been pretty fringy over the years. So, it's, yeah, you know, it, I, maybe I'm maybe teens is too optimistic. Maybe it's more like the early 20s just because of that stash factor. But I think he'll definitely be draftable, even factoring in the him missing those 40 games. Um, Frankie Montas, I'm actually very excited about last year, not to get too far on that tangent, because I was totally buying the breakout. And, uh, I mean, if you look at where he ranks among starting pitchers in per-game scoring, he is 
right there with all of the aces. So he's... You definitely don't want to let him fall too far next year. He's one of those guys. All right, let's take a quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, lots more ads, some studs being studs. I got some uh, deep pitchers I want to see if Scott's going to stream. And we've even got a few emails, so we'll see if we can get to them. So quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. All right, I have got some lower-owned players, and it was almost like a section of like pitchers to add, but I just I wanted to throw this at you. Pitchers to stream based on maybe one matchup. Here are the four. You tell me what you like. Anthony Kay, who was traded from the Mets to the Blue Jays, he made up, made his, uh, he brought up, came up and made his debut. Only eight percent owned. He was five and two thirds with four hits, two earned runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts over the weekend. Drew Smiley, who's eleven percent owned, seven innings, zero earned runs, six Ks. It was his second straight seven inning scoreless outing, and he had only given up one earned run in his last three. Dan Duffy, who I actually picked up in one of my leagues and started him, and I was incredibly nervous, 23% owned. He went six, one earned run, five strikeouts against Miami. His previous start, he went six and one-third with three earned runs and three strikeouts against Baltimore. And then Tyler Beatty, who went five, no earned runs, five strikeouts against the Dodgers on Saturday. Beatty's probably got the best matchups of the crew, Pittsburgh or Miami, where Duffy's got Houston, Smiley might have Atlanta or Boston. So talk to me about which pitcher you'd be comfortable streaming, K, Smiley, Duffy, or Beatty. Probably none of them, Great honestly. Answer. I mean, Smiley and Beatty, they have a lot more bad than good. So I don't know. Yeah, that, that would take more courage than I have to roll with them just because they happen to be coming off a good start. Uh, Duffy, the fact he's facing Houston, I mean, that wipes out whatever sleeper potential you'd find there. Sure. Anthony Kay, his first major league start, struck out eight and five and two thirds innings. And he's a prospect of some note, certainly. He was, came over in the Marcus Stroman deal. Probably the, probably the biggest name that came over in the Marcus Stroman deal, right? Oh, God, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was definitely Cam. No, uh, well, if you're a deep prospect person, Simeon Woods Richardson is the upside guy. He's the big okay. upside guy with low walks, high strikeouts, a little bit of command issues. But Kay was the one that everybody knows about. And obviously, as you see now, to the majors. He had some big trouble after he got some big troubles after he got to AAA. 
got a little better after switching from the Mets farm system to the Blue Jays. And he said that, you know, once he ran into trouble with the Mets, they kept trying to change his what he was doing and the Blue Jays let just let him go back to whatever works. And so, you know, that might partially explain it, but he still had a ton of walks at AAA with the Blue Jays and three and five and two thirds innings in this start. It was a fine major league debut, certainly, but I'm not ready to put much faith in him either. So where did I know you, I know I know the answer was none of them, which is always a yep. great answer. But if there was one, if there could only be one, you've already eliminated Duffy. You don't feel super confident about K. Smiley or B. I mean, Beatty's got the best matchup of any of them. Could you? He's possibly, with a good matchup. Yeah. So would that be the pick if you had to? If you were desperate? Because these are this is desperation. These are guys that are under twenty five percent owned. So maybe I should have prefaced that a little bit. These are desperation streams. I feel like there's got to be better out there. Well, we'll but if you're forcing them. me to pick one of these four, yes, I would pick I would pick Danny Duffy actually because really he's he's the only pitcher who I think is halfway decent. Oh. I mean, K could be, but obviously very unproven. All right, well, okay, then we're going to get right to it. Let's get to some better options. They're more owned, so they're probably still sitting out there for people. Fringy starting pitcher, part one. Sean Manaya, 66% owned, beautiful start. He's got Texas next. He went seven, struck out 10 with one earned run. Anthony Desclafani, who is 69% owned. Three of his last four starts have been quality starts, but he's got Arizona coming up next. Hap, who, man, I sat this weekend. I was like, there's no way I'm putting Hap in my lineup. And he ended up uh, being pretty solid against Boston. Six and one third with seven strikeouts, no earned run. He's got two straight scoreless quality starts. Toronto looks like he's up next. And how about Chris Bassett? Went six, struck out 11 with two earned runs. Looks like it's Houston or Texas uh, up next, but he hasn't given up more than three earned runs since July 24th. So those are more own guys. You getting down with any of these? I'm frustrated in myself for not bringing up Manaya when we talked about pitchers to add at the top of the show. Because, holy cow, this was an awesome start. Amazing. Texas, seven hit innings, two hits, ten strikeouts. That was after giving up one hit in five innings in his return from the IL. What's amazing about this start, 23 swinging strikes. Obviously, I mentioned he had ten strikeouts. 23 swinging strikes, an incredible number, including 15 on the fastball, which averaged 89.8 miles per hour. Wow. He wasn't a hard thrower before either, but we we talked about how yeah he was dominating on his rehab assignment in a very tough league to pitch in the PCL. I mean, it might be tougher to pitch in than the majors, honestly. The the kind of numbers pitchers have been putting up there, and Manaya was dominating it, even though his velocity's down. And this is two great starts in the majors in a row. His catcher Josh Fegley said, "I've never seen anybody throw a fastball like his. The delivery makes it deceptively fast." Uh, according to Fegley. And, I mean, I, there's a lot of data now supporting the idea that Manaya is really good, perhaps better than ever. Interestingly, uh, on CBS, he was the second most added pitcher over this last week. It went from 51 to 67% owned. Jordan Lyles is above him, but and the reason I'm bringing this up is you've got a couple pitchers like Lyles and John Means who are right in the same territory who are two-start mm-hmm. pitchers. So those are the guys that they're added. So, I mean, would you take a one Manaya over a two Lyles or Means or something like that? Because you're right, Manaya is moving into a territory above the class that he's being... Um, labeled with as far as ownership 
So it looks like Manaya's next start is against the Rangers again. So that you know that could be good news or bad news. I prefer, you know, that's better than like facing Houston though, who the A's are facing at the start of the week. Uh, yeah, I don't feel good enough about Lyles as a two-start option to pass up what I think might actually be a good pitcher instead, even if it's for one start. And certainly if you're talking about a bench situation, a guy to just pick up and fill a bench spot, then that makes it easily Mania because he'll be, you know, he has a chance of maybe getting a two-start week down the line. Uh, you mentioned Means too. It looks like John Means has lost his two-start status that he had on Friday. So It's going to hurt a lot of the people picking him up because yeah. he was like the fifth most picked up player on CBS. Yeah, and Ty Blatch. It's Blatch, right? What am I asking you? I thought for? it was yeah. <laughs> wow, I mean, block. It's that, block. I was about Ty to. Block. I was about to correct you. That was maybe the most insulting thing you've said to me yet. So <laughs> wow, I appreciate that. But yeah, it is block. Well, you've you've been self-deprecating about it, so I was just following your lead. Yeah, well, you were. So all right, we'll keep going. Anything else on Manaya or the two starts? And uh, if you're if Manaya is in a category of his own, Desclafani, Hap, or Bassett, do any of them get uh, preferential treatment as far as ads go? I would say Hap I don't want. Desclafani I've kind of put in that rare boring class of pitcher that I mean in the most fav- the most positive way in 2019 where everybody stinks. Boring is good. Desclafani is firmly there. I think it's time to put Bassett in that category too. Even though I like the skills less for him than Desclafani. I mean we're talking about for Bassett now we're talking about uh Past seven starts, 261 ERA, 119 whip, 8.5 Ks per nine. It's pretty good. He's doing Julio Tehran-like things. Don't totally buy it, but it's been going on long enough that can't just dismiss it either. All right, Fringy uh, starting pitchers part two. These are uh, much less owned than the guys that we just talked about. And these are very two polarizingly different names here. Mike Leak, who's 55% owned, went six and one third, gave up two earned runs, walked three with one strikeout. That is just his MO, but efficient, if you will, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are the hottest team in baseball right now, uh, just finally losing on Sunday. Uh, they have got, they lost to the Reds. They, he has got the Cincinnati Reds up next week versus Brendan McKay, who came back up 51% owned, but he only went three and two-thirds of an inning, gave up one hit, struck out seven. He struck out seven of 12 batters, and it looks like he's primed to go against the Angels, but doesn't have a lot of innings under him, so wins would come by. Uh, wins are not a premium to him. So Leak McKay, any of those guys, as far as what we've been talking about, there's got to be better better options. Are Leak and McKay a better option? I don't think so. Leak's been way too polar with his outcomes and the bad starts have been oh so bad still has an era over six with the diamondback and mckay i mean kind of the same thing for him frankly and and then you add the innings concern where he's already set a career high and uh as well as he was pitching obviously the rays weren't willing to push him very far so yeah i don't i don't trust him to make enough of an impact if even if he is good uh, some studs being studs from the weekend. Garrett Cole, absolutely phenomenal. Went eight, gave up one hit. Um, I One earned run, I believe it was. Zero walks and 15 strikeouts. 15 strikeouts. And I pulled this. I'm trying to pull this up here. 
who sent this? This was Jason uh, Catania said that birthday boy, apparently Garrett Cole whiffed 15 without a walk in another dominant start. That is his sixth game with 10 plus Ks and zero walks in 2019, tying a single season major league record also achieved by Clayton Kershaw in 2016, Randy Johnson in 2004, and Kurt Schilling in 2002. Hello, top billing in 2020 for Garrett Cole. Ridiculous with his five straight games, by the way, of double-digit strikeouts. Those last five, by the way, 65 strikeouts in that time. Kidding. (laughs) Three straight with 14-plus. Ridiculous. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's. I mean, you could make a case for him, I think, very easily for number one pitcher next year. Unless he does, you know, if he signs with Texas or something, that's going to be harder to do. But yeah, he'll be an he signs at a, a normal pitching environment. Definitely in the running. I think Max Scherzer, his start today, nine strikeouts and in six innings, look like Scherzer of old. If that's how he finishes, it'll be hard for me to pass him up at number one. Obviously, Verlander's been the best pitcher in fantasy this year. He'll be 37 next year. So he'll be in the running, too. But Cole is right there. I think it's a clear top three, inning for inning. I think Cole maybe has surpassed those two, at least in my mind. I know some of the stats would say otherwise, but, um, you know, the things I value the most, I, I I think he might be better than those two inning for inning. It's just those two, you know, they're more like seven and eight innings at the time, while, while Cole is like six and seven innings at a time. Um, Jack, Jack Flaherty went eight, struck out ten, uh, giving up no earned runs with one walk. It was his second straight with eight earn, uh, eight innings. Milwaukee looks like he's up next. Uh, Mike Clevenger went six and one third with seven strikeouts, two earned runs. Now, this one's an interesting one. You Darvish went five, no earned runs, walked one. Um, he only has three walks in his last three starts, and we know the whole streak. He had seven strikeouts. San Diego or Pittsburgh, I'm not sure which one it is, but I took you Darvish in the too early mock, and he was my second pitcher. Scott, and I got him in like the ninth round in a 15 man. I felt like there was a deal that people don't want to believe on you, Darvish. But I outside of that one stinker, he has just been phenomenal in half of a season so far. Yeah, I feel like I saw another mock where he went quite a bit earlier than that. So, you know, obviously when you're talking about where a player goes, you're dealing with very limited mock draft info right now. And I always wonder with these early mock drafts, just how invested everybody is like you have certain people who take it seriously and really thought through the rankings already. And then you have those guys who just probably like, yeah, I'll do it. And they're just kind of going top of mind. (laughs) Oh, I totally forgot. What's the site have at the top. I'll take that guy. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I felt like it was a deal. It was something that people hadn't, hadn't adjusted with you Darvish and he continues just to be really, really good. Um, yeah, a couple more. Charlie Morton, he struck out 10 in six innings, three earned runs. And Caleb Smith went six, struck out eight with no earned runs. And I believe he has Milwaukee up next here. So those are some studs being studs. How about studs being duds, though? John Lester, five and one third, gave up eight earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. Noah Syndergaard, not as duddish, but five, gave up four, struck out five. And Marcus Stroman, Four innings, 10 hits, four earned runs, six strikeouts, but three of his last four starts, he's had four earned runs. Also, three of his last five, he hasn't made it to the fifth inning here. So Syndergaard and Stroman potentially, I I believe Syndergaard is locked into Arizona up next. Stroman might have Arizona or the Dodgers, and John Lester has Pittsburgh. I ask you, are you worried about starting any of these guys this coming week? Not Syndergaard. I think since picking up the slider... Uh, pretty much, pretty much at the start of the second half, he's 
He's had a few hiccups. Every pitcher has a few hiccups. But for the most part, he's been dominant. He's back to being an ace-level pitcher. I don't have any concerns about starting him. The other two, I think, in terms of skills, uh, you know, they're definitely behind Cindergard. Lester may be running out of steam. He's he's pretty difficult to trust right now. Pittsburgh's a good matchup, but I would only use him if I was really having trouble finding another option. I'd be concerned and I'd about probably him. I, I prefer Lester probably to most of the waiver wire options out there, but you know, it's still not ideal to have to start him. Stroman, yeah. he's clearly in a slump. He's had one quality start since joining the Mets. Uh, it's, you know, even at his best, I think he's less than ace caliber. So I, I think it's, it's another situation where I would prefer to sit him, especially since the matchup's not so favorable. You know, that might be a case where I pick up a one-start Manaya and start him over Stroman. Or I would do would that I sit Stroman for a two-start Cueto? I don't know that I'd go that far. Which tells you where we are with two-start streamers because I called Cueto the best, who's widely available. That's a very good point. Someone that's really interesting between stud and dud, Tyler Glass now. He's back. Two innings, two earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Only made it 41 pitches into the game. Looks like he's got the Angels up next. I view Glass now in the Brendan McKay category of, and I was saying this a couple weeks ago, why I had zero interest in Glass now, because I just don't think he's going to make it into the range of qualifying for a win unless they actually utilize him in like opener situations where he's the second guy to come in. So I don't have interest in Glass now. Do you agree? Uh, I, I think so. I could see picking him up as a defensive measure, kind of like I was saying with Luzardo, but I would prefer Luzardo in that case because he already is stretched out, and if they are willing to let him start, you would expect him to go the length of a starter. Glass now is kind of going to be used more like a long reliever. I, you know, I assume he'll have a pretty good chance of going like three innings next time out, but he's not going to get to the five, six inning range. I think in time to make a real impact for your fantasy team. Unless he's crazy efficient. Over to the bullpen, just a couple notes. Um, Oliver Drake, who's 0% owned, got his second save of the year on Saturday. He went one inning with three strikeouts, and there's just this ultimate question that's always following with this team. Uh, I don't know if there's really any interest in there. I'm going to just throw out a couple if there's anything you want to drop in here. Edwin Diaz. <laughs> Edwin Diaz is just baffling to me. On Friday, he uh, went one inning, gave up two earned runs, three strikeouts. I believe he has two straight blown saves. And then you look at a guy like Shane Green, who got a save on Friday. I started the speculation. And then on Saturday, he got hit up in one inning for two earned runs. Um, Diaz, Green, Drake, are there any comments? I mean, I think Edwin Diaz is just writing his story, which he is just plummeting in the mock I'm doing right now. Shane Green, I thought, was a speculative ad. Doesn't look like it. Melanson came in and got his 10th save. So Green, Diaz, Drake, any comments or any other bullpen things you want to uh, throw out? A couple of follow-ups here. Edwin Diaz, of course, has blown his last two save chances. He bounced back with a great performance in the eighth inning today. Struck out two in a perfect inning of work. Uh, Jerry's followed him. It was a losing... Jerry's Familia followed him. It was a losing effort. So, you know, it's not like they were... It's not like they were anticipating a save chance for anyone else. I don't know exactly where he stands for saves, but he did have a nice inning today. And Mark Melanson also bounced back with a save Sunday after Shane Green got it uh, Friday. 
I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's what I, I said. Yeah, I'm he got my days mixed. No, up. no, he Melanson. He, Shane Green went on Friday, got the save then after Melanson threw 28 pitches in a bad outing on Thursday, right? Yeah. Melanson bounced back and got the save Saturday. So I think his job's secure. Okay. Um, let's see. We're going to get like just two emails in here real quick. James in the DC says, hi, Scott and Chris, what is your favorite feeling in a baseball league? By the way, you guys, uh, just like James can email us at fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. I was about to forget that. What is your favorite feeling in a baseball league? My nomination in a keeper league, I traded away all my high priced players like sale and Freeman and Ramirez and I don't know what feels good about that, man. When it, uh, when it became apparent, I would not be winning a championship this year. However, I was able to sneak into the playoffs, and coming into Sunday, I have an unlikely chance to upset the number one seed. Please, de- oh, man. please describe a better feeling. Do you Having have one? your cake and eating it, too. <laughs> I had that one time, and I still talk about it. I traded off everything. I squeaked in the playoffs. I made it to the championship. I didn't win, but I made some money on a chop. So that was an amazing feeling, for sure. That is a great feeling. That's a great feeling. I'm trying to think of a better one than that. Uh I mean, it's always a great feeling when, and I guess maybe the average player doesn't have this, obviously, but when a guy you've been touting really heavily. Oh, good call. You know, yeah. Immediately delivers. Like I remember Reese Hoskins a couple years ago when he got called up in August after I'd been featuring him in my prospects report. And he wasn't, you know, considered a particularly high end prospect, but I was pushing him very heavily and he comes up and is just a monster to close out the season. So that's that a, was great a great one deal. for guys like you and I as like prospect people, when you hit on that prospect that everybody else, like this year, I, f- I mean, I could be wrong and you know, I'm not trying to tout crazy, but like everybody was down on Luis Robert. I was not. And I was trying to defend like, Hey, let's, you know, we're good. Let's not get crazy where people are trying to drop Robert. And he's had one of the, I mean, just yeah. one of the more incredible minor league seasons. So that's like yeah. one that feels really good. Maybe so. number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of something people can relate to, uh, that's a really good one. I, I think maybe maybe another great feeling is when you pick up somebody who you, you just need a fill in and you regard him as a total scrub and he ends up having a great week that week you picked him up. That's a great call. Like you pick him up on for- Sunday for your playoff run to, to move on and he hits two homers or something like that. That's yeah. really that's a good one. Uh, Robert asks. Really need your help in making a decision. I play in a 12-team categories league. I'm entering the playoffs, and everyone is stacked on pitching. He says, I've got Cueto coming off the uh, IL. He said DL, but it's IL, buddy. And I need to get rid of an extra hitter. Who would you drop? Chris Davis with the uh, A's. Adam Eaton. Um, <laughs> it says Greg Lux. Uh, Gavin Lux. Uh, or Gene Segura. What do you think? Davis, Eaton, Lux, or Segura. Who would you drop Joe for Lux. Cueto? <laughs> I dropped... Chris Davis a long time ago. Agreed. I'm yeah. I'm very over him, so Chris Davis. That's an easy one. All right, last one here. This is uh is this another Robert? Everyone's name is Robert today. Robert from London. Dear Frank, JT, Mark, and Cody. I'm miraculously in the semifinals of my head-to-head categories league that uses OBP instead of average, and I need another miracle against a number one team. A lot of underdogs today. I appreciate that. Lineup dilemma for the week. Which three guys for two outfield and one utility spots would you play? Hoskins. Tommy Edmond, Will Myers, Colton Wong, and Jock Peterson. And he notes that he thinks there's great matchups for Edmund, Wong, and Myers. So what do you think? You got to pick three of those guys, Hoskins, Edmund, Myers, Wong, and Peterson to start for this week. Okay, so OBP instead of average, I think that makes Hoskins an easy call. No brainer. Agreed. I also would say um, maybe Jock Peterson. It makes him a lot more palatable. 
Let me see how many lefties they're facing. I don't have that pulled up, but I'll get that pulled up real quick. Uh, and then another one you had, you needed. Okay, so it could be it could be any position. Yeah, any uh, of these I guys. Would, I would say Colton Wong. I mean, he's in my top ten sleeper hitters for this week. The others are just so low end. I mean, Will Will Myers. We talked about. We don't know how much he's playing, and Tommy Edmond is. You know, he's I'd rather fine. have Colton Wong. He's been been very hot yeah and i'm gonna agree here as well even though i was trying to make a little bit of a case at least in conversation about will myers i appreciate tommy edmund but i'd go wong peterson and hoskins here do you have that last note on uh, peterson that you wanted to rock yeah so the dodgers are facing two lefties in their six games mm. Mm. enough to put will myers or edmund in yeah i think i'd stick with i think i'd stick with peterson those are some pretty low-end uh, alternatives, I feel like. Yeah, and and both guys that might not necessarily be in the lineup as well to miss games. So, all right, very good. You guys can send those questions in, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Send those emails in for you this week. I believe we are back with you on Wednesday, so make sure you guys are tuned in here. You can follow me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. You can follow Scott on Twitter at CBSScottWhite. Let's rock these playoffs, guys. Send in those questions. We're going to help you win these championships, and we're going to help all those underdogs beat the top billing guys. So until then, we will catch you next time right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. 